0: And Father, I just thank you for another day that we're able to spend together. And I pray, Father, that we would be a people that would learn to value one another and that this is the church. It's your church, Lord. It's your gathering together of your people. And so, Father, I pray that we would... Lord, just be that that influence for godliness within this body. And so, Father, I pray along those lines that you would teach us and instruct us this day. Show us through your word, Lord, the things that we need to speak, the things that we need to do, how we are to be so that there would be growth in this body because we are members of this church and so we lift it up to you that you would bless us I pray for Nepal Lord and the things that are going on on the other side of the world over there and I just pray father for the church that is there that it would rise up I pray for the opportunity during this great tragedy of this earthquake I pray father for our part if you have a part for us in that that Lord you would reveal that to us but right now we just pray for your grace and your compassion and pray father for the opportunity to save souls but right now, again, we lift up the section of Scripture you've given us today that you'd be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Turn and greet your neighbors. Greetings. Greetings. Nobody even pays attention to me. Just Miss Pastor Wallflower. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sound like you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, that's what was making it.
0: Well, first of all, we had our couple study last night. and It was just a blessed time to be able to spin together. We had the rounders out, which is kind of a swing band, and just had a really good time. We had a comedian out, but he couldn't make it. But Lark did come out, and he shared. He took his place. And uh, no, it was all very good. And I just want to thank, we had faithful servants that served that night. and you know, they just gave, It was just a blessing. We are, as Sean announced, we're going to be starting a couple study as our small groups are on hiatus. The ladies are going to have a book club that meets for a period of time. But nonetheless, we're going to have a couple study that's going to be periodic throughout the summer months. And we've got a little video that we are going to show you concerning it just to get an idea of where we're coming from.
1: Just one more kiss in the moonlight. Before we say goodnight. I think one of the great problems in a marriage relationship is when we lose sight of the command to complete one another. God, I repent, and I want to be the husband, and I want to be the dad you called me to be. A light that had been shut off
0: came on, so I turned to God this much. What the cross promises marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings. God can change us through the gospel, so we're helping them suffocate sin.
1: Family Life invites you to host what hundreds of thousands are calling the best marriage material I've ever seen. Incredible and firmly grounded in God's Word. I'm ready! Let's get it out. Help turn any marriage into a masterpiece with The Art of Marriage. Bring home to your church or community this groundbreaking and proven marriage event featuring real couples with real struggles and expert teaching with practical help that gets to the heart of God's design for marriage. The Art of Marriage helps you help others. You can bring healing, forgiveness and grace to the marriages around you. The Art of Marriage is available as a video event and video series. Each comes with free coaching for hosts, promotional resources, and online support. For all time, right? For all time. Change one marriage. You cannot have a successful marriage change the world without the invasion of the supernatural. The Art of Marriage video event and video series. Get to the heart of God's design. Find out more at theartofmarriage.com.
0: Yes, regardless of where you're at in your marriage, we will have you dancing in your living room. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the First Thessalonians chapter five. <clears throat> Excuse me, we'll be picking up at verse twelve. And as always, if you arrived here today without a Bible. We would like for you to follow along, and there should be one in front of you underneath the seat. If there's not, if you'll raise your hands, the ushers will bring one to you. Does anybody need one? Everybody good? Then go ahead and stand. There's one up here. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. Again, First Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll be picking up at verse 12. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Really, the Apostle Paul, we've seen some very rich studies of end-time theology. So based upon what our end days are going to be, who and how should we be today? Verse 12, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, once again, we just lift up your holy word and father, what it is able to achieve in the lives of your people and specifically this area of scripture that speaks to a church. I pray, father, that we would look at the concepts that are presented here and see if they apply to our lives, see if they apply to our church. And father, if they don't, I pray that we would be part of the solution. We would be part of the change. And so once again, father teaches and instruct us, bless us through your word. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. In my life I have had two California corporations for 1000 to 2000 dollars you can pretty much incorporate anything but I held a S corp for my electrical contracting business so many years ago today I'm the responsible party for a nonprofit organization that would be this church The idea behind incorporation is to be an umbrella of protection and approval. Approval, well, legitimate business or for the church so that your offerings, they would be tax deductible. The state of California has recognized us. The IRS has recognized us. It's why you can take that deduction at the end of the year. Protection, it's the reduction of personal risk. That's what I was looking for in my electrical contracting business. The one thing that is common to both types of corporations that I was reminded of from time to time, if you're a California corporation, you have to act like a California corporation. See, there's rules and guidelines that are set down and it's your responsibility to adhere to those. If you're not adhering to them and if there's an issue or a problem with either the state or the federal government, they could void your corporation because of that. Well, it's the same thing with the church, not to the state or federal uh, government, but to God who oversees all. See, if you're a church, if you're calling yourself a church, you better be acting like a church, because if you're not acting like a church, then, well, God will void that. See, we need to be established under biblical guidelines in order to truly call ourselves a church in the sight of God. We must continuously be acting like a church, not only every time we gather together, but wherever we are at, because we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, keeping in mind the definition of church is a gathering together of a people. That's a general term, but we have whittled it down to a gathering together of God's people. And when god 's people gather together and we call ourselves a church, there's guidelines here, and that's what we 'll be looking at today to the churches that were not acting as churches. Jesus gave them a specific warning of them losing their incorporations, if you will, in Revelation chapter two, verse five. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, the idea is don't go back, repent, and do the first works, or else, or else I will come to you quickly, suddenly, unexpectedly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The lampstand was the light that that church was to be in a particular community. And again, we've got to be that church that is multifaceted. Again, had a busy weekend. This, This past weekend, my wife with a desire to pray for the persecuted church, went to a meeting out in uh, well, out in the high desert. I can't remember where it was. And, and so she was there. I went door-to-door with the door-to-door ministry. We're going through sharing the gospel with the community. Why? Because the church does those things. There was a surprise party. Actually, there's cake in the back. We're going to surprise Dee Simmons today. Um, we're going to... Sorry, in that... Oh, she's right there. Never, well, it won't be such a big surprise, but nonetheless... <laughs> But it was cool because they were both surprised yesterday and it was just a neat thing. Why? You know, that's the church. I talked to some other people who I've never met before. Dee's cousin. They heard that I was a pastor and they go to Calvary Chapel, Marino Valley. And well, it's, we had a good discussion. Why? Because we're part of the church. It was a neat thing. And then we had a gathering together of the brethren last night. We had the couple's banquet and it was just a blessing. Why? Because it was all part of the church. We all came in the same way and we're all going to leave the same way, either death or rapture one way or another. We will be with the Lord. Amen. In this letter, we've seen that the church at Thessalonica has started. Oh, so well, they were established according to biblical guidelines and Paul's encouraging them to continue on in biblical guidelines continuing on to serve the Lord and to exhibit faith, to be that witness to such a dark community. Paul pointed out certain proofs, and we've mentioned them from time to time. We've seen them right at the beginning. He saw their work of faith as they turned to God from idols, that there was their labor of love as they served the true and living God, and he observed their patience of hope as they waited for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't wait just by putting their feet up somewhere and just, or gathered together inside of a well, a sanctuary or a tomb. But they waited. Our wait is to be an active wait. We are to wait in prayer. We are to wait in fellowship. We are to wait in the Word. It's to be a very active wait. Because again, you saw what happened in Nepal. Over 2,000 people perished in just an instant, just like that. 2,000 people, souls. I fear the majority of them aren't with the Lord today. And again, we see that, well, there's that instant of so many people leaving this life, but every day there's thousands and thousands of people that pass on, and the vast majority of them, I fear, are not going into the presence of the Lord, and so we need to see the work that is set before us. So in closing this letter the Apostle Paul is going to encourage them to continue in the things that a church is supposed to do, what a church is supposed to be, so that in the sight of God, that they truly would be recognized as a functioning church. These are things that we need to consider. As we go through the word of God, every once in a while, we come upon a list such as we have here today. And it needs to be a checklist. Now, none of these lists are all-inclusive But I really believe that as God inhabits his word, as it is living and powerful, God gives us what we need and he gives it to us when we need it. And so this should definitely be applicable today. This should be applicable today to us first individually and then secondly, corporately because God ministers to the individual and through the individuals. Then we have a corporate gathering together of the brethren that is right in the sight of God. What we're going to be looking at today is a six thing checklist. I'll go through it real quick and then we'll go through it in detail. First, there is to be a respect for spiritual leaders, verses 12 through 13. Next, there is to be a response by believers to biblical leadership, verses 14 through 15. Thirdly, there is to be the keeping of responsibilities towards God and His Word, verses 16 through 22. There is to be a reassurance of the future in verse 23 through 24. A reaction towards this epistle, verse 25 through 27. And a realization of what we all need, the grace of God in verse 28. So, when a church needs a spiritual checklist to determine their health, this is it. Tuesday, I did it. The wife has been harassing me and harassing me and harassing me nagging me, bothering me to go get a physical. I told her, when I was 30, I had a physical. They said I was fine. You know, and then there was that other thing that's attached with the physical that, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, I know you have. So have I. I did it. I did it about seven or eight years ago. And I was fine. But I went. I went last Tuesday. And so, checking out the system, and everything seems to be okay, and um, he, uh, <laughs> if he does that again to me, I'm going to smack him. <laughs> Very fresh. No, it was kind of cool, because I was talking to him, and I don't remember what we were talking about exactly, but I said uh, so, uh, something about fasting and being a pastor. He goes, oh, you're a pastor? And I go, he goes, where are you a pastor? I go, Caffrey Chapel, Ontario. He goes, oh, I go to Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. So, that was kind of cool, but... That doesn't mean anything, because my wife said, oh, that was of God. No, it wasn't. (laughs) If you don't have, if you have no faith, then, yeah, you need to have physicals. But I've got faith. I don't need it, dear. But she's drugged me over there. (laughs) Cholesterol is a little high again, so that gives my wife something to harass me about for the next 20 years until I get my next physical. But other than that, it was good. And there's a reassurance about knowing that. And so that exam that I was talking about, I'll get that exam and all of that, because again, there's a reassurance and there's a calmness of mind in that. And that's the same thing we should have with the physical that we're giving to the church today through this checklist, that we would look at this and we would have an assurance, not in the church at Thessalonica, but a church at Ontario, that again, we're heading in a good direction, not that we have achieved, not that we're there, but we're going in a good direction. It's important that we know that, not just because you take it from me, not because you take it from anybody around you, not because anybody's entertained because that's not our purpose here as well, but because we're going in the biblical direction that is set before us. And so, in our church, is there a respect for spiritual leaders? Verses 12 and 13. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake Be at peace amongst yourselves. There are some with the title of leader within a church that, well, as you observe their ministries, you can make a determination of one thing or another. There are those who are not worthy of respect. Just because somebody has pastor or minister or reverend at the end of their name doesn't mean that they necessarily are. You will know them by their fruits by the fruits of the ministry, that which they produce through the word of God. There are those that even though they are presented as a leader or they are a leader over what is called the church, doesn't necessarily mean that that's a church and they're really a pastor. It could just be a gathering together of people and he's the leader of the gathering or she is the uh, the leader of the gathering together of those people. In Second Timothy chapter three, verses five through nine, it says, "Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janes and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds." disapproved concerning the faith but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest or revealed to all as theirs also was then there are those who are worthy of respect and you will see it in their ministry there will be second there will be other sub checkpoints if you will since we're in checkpoint chapter 1 you'll note that they will labor among you they will labor This is the work, I pointed out last night, that you need to work on your marriage, but this is also called the work of ministry. The work of ministry requires people to get busy, and the leadership is not going to so much send everybody else to labor, but they're going to be laboring as well. They will be busy. They will fill their lives with the study of the Word of God, the application of it, and this is important, not just the study of the Word of God, but the application of it into their lives. We're told in James chapter three, verse one, don't desire to be a teacher because you'll be held to a higher degree of accountability. What does that mean? That means as you're up there and you're telling people not to sin, not to steal, not to do this and not to do that. You had better not be doing it yourself. If I'm telling you that you need to read your Bible every day, I had better be reading my Bible every day. Again, yesterday, last night, was probably about the 50th or 60th or 150. I don't know how many couple studies I've done. I've done a lot with all the retreats and all of that stuff. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to talk about this time? And the Lord gave me something. So I'm writing these things down. And we had a checklist last night, too. It's kind of a neat way. I like to teach that way. But we had a little bit of a checklist last night and going through these things. And some of them were convicting. Some of them were convicting things that Well, not so much that I've been a bad husband, but we can so easily, I can so easily be a neglectful husband to put things that shouldn't be a higher priority as a higher priority. Now again, we all do that to one degree or another, but I need to check myself because if I'm going to be up there telling those people to do those things, I had better be doing those things. And if you're a leader of any sort from your household, outside of your household, whatever it might be, the worst thing that you can possibly be, it's going to negate everything that you say is to be a hypocrite. To be a hypocrite is to be a play actor. To be up there play acting like some godly person and in actuality, living a godless life. Now, how many times have we seen that in the news with some well-known pastor or preacher wasn't living what he preached and it's been very destructive and very damaging. So this respect for leaders who are worthy, you will see it in their ministry as they labor among you. Again, the study of God's word, the application of it into their lives, the application of it in their ministry and the delivery of it to the body. They will stay rooted and grounded in the word of God. They're not going to be perfect, but they should be dedicated to those things. And so it's an important element to the church. Hebrews thirteen seven. remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Acts chapter 6, verse 2, Then the twelve summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. There was a situation that was going on, but they knew the priority of their ministry was to be the word of God. And they also understood the priority, not so much about the waiting of tables, but bringing other people in to do the work of ministry. Because again, everybody here, if you're a born-again believer, and somehow in some capacity... You have been called to leadership. Again, maybe it's just in the home, wherever it might be, perfectly you advance to that here in the body of Christ as well, but you are to be a leader. This is a focused biblical calling. Notice that this focused biblical calling will be exercised among you, it says here. Again, verse 13, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. And so the leader is not to be disconnected from the body of Christ. He's not to enter into his ivory tower, but he is to be among the sheep. See, you're the sheep, but I'm a sheep as well. We're all sheep, and we're sheep of not Mike, but we're sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can never forget that. There's not to be an elevated sheep who is above that. There's a leader that's going to be held to a higher degree of accountability. But again, there's what's called in, in, uh, in, in the book of Revelation, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans that puts a man in between the people and God. And there's that necessary man that's there. If you want to get to God, you've got to go through this man. And really, isn't that the advent of pretty much every cult? It's what the traditional, no, I shouldn't say the traditional, it's not a good term. It's what the Catholic Church regressed to back in uh, uh, around the, I think it was around the 800s or so. And it went in a very weird direction. Making money off the people, keeping them from the word of God. Uh, There were indulgences that if you were a sin, you can kind of buy your way out of sin or buy your way right standing into the church. It just goes in a very fleshly direction. And so we are to be those who labor among the body of Christ. Also, you'll note the shepherd's heart of the spiritual leader. He will admonish you. Admonish you, correction for the purpose of change. Now, the correction doesn't mean he's going to berate you. It doesn't mean he's going to yell at you. It just means this is the right way to go. Follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. And and again, we all come in here right when we're saved or maybe even before we're saved with mindsets and teachings that are contrary to the word of God. Well, the leader should admonish or should correct and lead you in the proper way. We all need that. We all needed it and we all continue to need it because we all get off track at times. In 1 Corinthians four, fourteen through 18, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, do you see the heart of this leader? He's wanting to correct them and now he's coming to them as a loving father. But as it, my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you do not have many fathers for in Christ Jesus. I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you imitate me for this reason. I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So in this particular church, Corinth, and even as we're looking at the church at Thessalonica, Paul can't be there. But his affections are still there that they would walk strongly with the Lord, that they would continue on moving in the direction that God had set before them. Paul was passionate about this. And think of yourself, your own children. Think of your children when they're not walking right with the Lord and how it just breaks your heart. How it breaks your heart. And it can be so frustrating, especially as they become adults and there's just... Nothing that you can, you can do. I mean, you pray without a doubt. You shouldn't say there's nothing you can do. You pray, and there's a lot of value in that. But again, sometimes they got to go eat pig pods just like the prodigal child did. And it's a hard thing to experience. And so you need to have that heart to admonish, to correct, to set the right direction. Going door to door yesterday, we, it was the third house. It was kind of neat. The first house that we came to, we go and knock on the door. Hey, we're from Calvary Chapel, Ontario. We're just going through meeting people in the community. And the guy says, oh, come on in. Come on in? Never been asked in before. I kind of look and make sure it's not guys are going to there and roll us and take our money or something like that. And so we go in and sit down. He goes, you know, I came to your church. I came on Easter Sunday night and it was closed. And it's like, oh. And so we, we had a really good conversation. He's attending church up in Southgate. He drives all the way up there, but the church is slowly turning over to Spanish-speaking from English-speaking. And we just had a really great conversation. It was really good to have that fellowship. And then the next house, nobody was home. But the house after that, this young man who is of college age came and um, told them same thing who we were. And he goes, oh, "I'm an atheist." I go, "Really? You're an atheist?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm an atheist." I go, "So if you die, you just would cease to exist?" And he goes, "Well." I haven't existed for billions of years. And after I die, I will not exist for billions of years. And I asked him, well, how do you work all of this out in your mind? And I don't remember what he said. And I go, well, what if your child came up to you and said, Dad, I want to commit suicide because I'm just tired of this life and I don't want to go through it anymore. What do you tell him? And he says, I want you to get off my property right now. And it's sad, sad, because you see the, the correction or you see the, admonishing that is necessary Have to correct people from false doctrine and bring them into proper doctrine pray for that young man i think he was just probably regurgitating something he heard a college professor tell him but nonetheless that's where he's at you could just see the hardness of his heart it was a it was a sad thing it was a hard thing and so we need to be people that if you're a leader especially to admonish again not to yell not to scream it's not about that it's not about punishing people we don't punish people we correct people and get them back on the proper, in the proper path. All leaders' diligence in these things will be reflected in a flock. What does it say here? Let me go ahead and read it again. Verse 12, When we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly, see the value in the body of Christ, in love for their work's sake, be at peace amongst yourself. And the result is going to be a flock of sheep who is at peace. And you want to keep sheep at peace because when they're not at peace, it's my understanding, they don't eat well, they become very unhealthy and they become scattered and all, but sheep that are content will gather together and they will find an element of peace there. This needs to be a place that people are able to come convicted. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Maybe you need to be disturbed a bit in order to find that peace, but you should be able to find peace in the body of Christ. Secondly, Is there in your church, in this church, a response by believers to biblical leadership? Verses 14 and 15. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Are people coming alongside of the leader for the purpose of ministry. Gathering together for the common goal of ministering the gospel, changing lives, and seeing people coming into that right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A church that is operating as a church will warn those who are unruly. Unruly? Used of a soldier who was always going his own way rather than marching in line with others. Not that we're a bunch of robots, God values all of the differences that exist. Exterior differences and internal. Your personality, your different personalities. God uses them in so many different ways. But when we become unruly, when we march out of line based upon the guidelines that have been given us in the Bible, it's important that we toe that line. See, there was the word of God that was delivered to mankind for the very first time. Moses wrote it all down. And so Joshua, when he became the leader, he was the first one in the Bible that had God's written word. He was taking great responsibility upon himself. Moses, my servant, is dead. I would imagine Joshua probably pretty much figured he was next in line. He was probably pretty excited about that. I'm going to be the guy that God uses. But then you hear those words, Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh Uh-oh. Now all the responsibility is falling upon me. And what was he told three times? Be strong and uh, courageous. You don't tell somebody who's strong and courageous to be strong and courageous unless they're not strong and courageous. Now, I think that Joshua was strong and courageous when Moses was the man. But now all of a sudden, the responsibility has fallen upon him. But it's okay, Joshua you've got the written word of God. And what is he told to do? Don't veer from it. Don't go off to the left and don't go off to the right. If you cut that straight line, if you adhere to it, you'll do well. And we saw in Jericho, there was some things that he was commanded to do that really didn't make a whole lot of sense. We're to march around this. We're to blow trumpets. We're to yell and the walls are going to fall down. Makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, but... That's what he was commanded to do. And so Joshua determined that's what we're going to do. And they did it. And guess what? The walls fell down. The walls fell down. God worked a miracle just simply because they were obedient to what he told them to do. And then there was Ai. And Ai, the people were commanded to all go up against Ai, this city that was in the area. And he made this determination. He sent spies out which you kind of wonder, why did you send spies out if God told you to go up against them? But he did, and they said, yeah, we don't need everybody, just send a portion of the people, and they did, and they were defeated. And so he's learning these lessons that if I'm faithful in the word of God, I do well. And so the leader, he needs to stay in formation, not veering to the left and not veering to the right. The congregation needs to stay in formation, not veering to the left and not veering to the right. As people wander off, we are to be as shepherds and to lead them back to where it is that they need to be. It says, comfort the faint-hearted. Faint-hearted could be translated feeble-minded. I'm thinking that would be very applicable to this church. I'm kidding. Feeble-hearted, it just means those who are not strong, or feeble-minded, those who are not strong in the faith. And so for those who are overwhelmed by chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, the coming of Christ and and the end time events and all of that 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 has got you faint hearted, remind them. Chapter 4, verse 18, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore, because all these things are going to happen, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. And so again, you have heard so many ministries with ISIS and Islam and now earthquakes and all of these things that are going on. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Well, the sky isn't falling because God's holding it up. One day he's going to let go, but we'll be gone. But as far as today, we see these things and they're all pointing towards end times, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It means we're one day closer than being with the Lord. Is the Lord going to come back? Is he going to rapture the church in our lifetime? I don't know. I look at the signs, it seems so. I'm going to be prepared, but I don't really know. Nobody knows. But I see God is in control. And I see God's hand. Because He said these things were going to happen. And these things are happening. They're happening before our very eyes. We should be strengthened because of that. Now, if you're faint-hearted or feeble-minded, feeble-minded in the Word of God, then yeah, you're going to be overcome by these things. But as we see the Word of God, as we've studied these things in the Word of God, our souls should be strengthened In these matters, Romans chapter 15, verses one and two, then we who are strong, we who are mature in the faith ought to bear with the scruples of the weak or the weaknesses of the weak, not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, for his neighbor's good, leading to edification. Do you remember that word edification? We've seen it from time to time. You're to edify one another, especially those who are less mature. And what does that mean? It means to get down to where they're at, at their level, and to bring them up, and to bring them up. My grandson Henry was over on Friday night, and I came into the house, and he was, there he was, and I wanted to hold him. Now I didn't stand there and say, come on up here, come on up here. He can't climb. Well, actually he can, but that's not a good illustration. But he's never going to make it up there. If I want him up there to my level, I have to first go down to his level and bring him up. And that's what we need to do in the body of Christ. Not thinking I'm something because I got an element of maturity. That's arrogance and that's pride. But to understand since I've got that element of maturity, I should safely be able to go down to the level of somebody less mature for the purpose of edifying them or bringing them up in the faith that they in turn would be mature as well, and when we do with that, we've got a mature gathering together that's able to minister to more people, and ministry is increased at that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're also told to uphold the weak. This is not allowing the spiritually immature to fall away, to be deceived. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week in the parable of the soils. We got responsibility and all of those areas. We have responsibility to teach people. We have a responsibility to enter into people's trials to let them know that God's doing a work here. We need to show them that the priority is not to be the things of the world, but to be the things of the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of heaven because they have to learn this Christian life. They have to learn dependency upon God, faith and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith but not to disputes over doubtful things. We're not to dump all kinds of religion upon them, but just show them how God meets them very personally in the the, the events of their real life. It says, be patient with all. Be patient with all or be long-suffering. Be long-suffering. God will bring people into the church so that you suffer long. Maybe that's your ministry. Maybe you're the person that God gave us so that we could all suffer, (laughs) But what does that do? That, that builds us up because we're to be long suffering with one another. And again, that means to suffer long because God was long suffering with you. Well, how old were you when you got saved? We'll just take a number 30. If you were 30 years old when you got saved, God suffered with you for 30 years. He bore with you. He was patient with you for 30 years of denial, 30 years of rebellion, 30 years of being contrary to him and his word. But it paid off on the day that you were saved. And so, if there's somebody in the body of Christ, let's even say that they're a born again believer, but they're still somebody that causes suffering, continue to bear with them because they need to get to that place that they need to be. So, once again, that the body of Christ is strong. But guess what happens when you've got that one person in the whole body that causes suffering and they get, you know, they mature and they become right, and no longer are they a pain to the body of Christ? God's going to bring another pain in. And it's just like getting old. There's, every day, it seems like there's a new pain that comes into the equation. And that's what it's going to be. Why? Because that's how we, we mature. We mature by doing these things and being this way, like Christ, to one another. And if it was all easy, then it really wouldn't count, would it? But it's when it's hard. That's when you see Jesus in your life. When it's difficult. I mean, if if you're the best person in the world and I'm receiving all kinds of blessings from you, I can real easily be Christ-like towards you. It's when you're somebody who is, well, causes us to suffer, causes me to suffer. It's then that you truly see Christ in me. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four, sacrificial love suffers long and is kind. Always emphasize the good, building them up in the good and never the evil. We can overemphasize the evil or even sins. Not that we ignore sins, we don't, but we build them up. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And we build upon the positive. And we let Christ speak to people. And some of the sins will be dealt with that way. When there's an element of maturity, then we'll admonish people that, you know what? You need to let that go. You need to move away. You need to get away from that. You need to move in this direction. And so everybody is at a different place in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. What is happening here is the same thing that occurred at the start. In Acts chapter 6, verses 6-7, through seven, I alluded to it earlier when the apostles said that we've got to raise other people up so we can continue to spend time in the Word of God. It says... Whom they set, speaking of this group of men, who, who they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on these men, these spirit-filled men. When the word of God, then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So what we're having in Jerusalem is more people being called into the ministry. They're men who've been recognized as being filled with the Spirit. They're men who there's been leadership qualities recognized. There are men who have this knowledge of the word of God. And now they're prepared to wait tables. Now they're prepared to be a bond servant. It's only then that they're prepared to be a bond servant. But as these men did their work, performed their ministry, what happened? Now, we see nowhere at this point that they preached the word of God, but it just said, then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, because every part, every member was doing his job, doing his part. In that great work of ministry and God brought more people to that church. Thirdly, is your church keeping their responsibilities towards God and his word? Verses 16 through 22. <clears throat> Rejoice always pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast. What is good? Abstain from every form of evil. The, the The background here is prayer, and so the first thing we see in verse sixteen: rejoice always. This is joyful spirit, but re- our joyful prayer as well. It's acknowledging your spiritual life and the goodness of what God has done, and have it reflected in all areas of your life. In Philippians chapter four, four: rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Verse seventeen is continual prayer: pray without ceasing. This is acknowledging God's spiritual presence in your life at all times. Maybe I shouldn't say spiritual because it is a physical presence in your life at all time. And it doesn't mean that you're saying some form of prayer constantly, but just have that open communication with God throughout your life. And then verse 18, there's thankful prayer, acknowledging spiritual results. Acknowledging that God does answer prayer. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Do you notice yesterday what happened? It rained. It rained cats and dogs. Do you know why it rained? Because we prayed for it on Thursday. We did. Don't laugh. It rained. I'm fully convinced, seriously, that it rained because we prayed for it on, Saturday, on Thursday. Now, so you pray for rain and it just rains? The only thing I know is we prayed for rain on Thursday and it rained on Saturday. I don't know what the weather report said on Thursday. And maybe it did say that it was going to rain on Thursday. How many times has the weather report said it's going to rain and it hasn't rained? Now, I don't think it was just because of our prayer. I'm thinking maybe our prayer was just the last prayer that finally put it over the edge. I'm sure there's been quite a few people that have prayed for rain. But you got to see that we prayed for rain on Thursday and it rained on Saturday. And I'm not letting go of that. I'm holding on to that because I know what it says in the Word of God about prayer. And it was just such a blessing. Keep your responsibilities towards God and His Word concerning His Holy Spirit who empowers. Understanding the direction of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit guides you in all areas because it says here in verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench the spirit. God gives us that opportunity of obedience or disobedience. When the spirit speaks to you, how about when you're out in the street somewhere, out in the shopping center or whatever, and you just know that God's telling me to go speak to that person. I don't want to go speak to that person. Because uh, I'm kind of laying it out on the line. What if I'm rejected and you can go through all of these things and they get in their car and drive away? Well, you just quench the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wanted to meet that person. Maybe that person was going to reject everything that you had to say. Again, I wasn't going to go door to door yesterday. I had a lot of stuff to do. And it was about eight o'clock and God said, you need to go door to door. And I gave him all the excuses. And then he said, you need to go door to door. And so I went door to door and just and seriously, that was an act of obedience on my part. Because again, I was thinking, you know, I got to be, Lord, I got to be ready for the couple study. I'm going out to Jim and D's thing and all of this stuff. And he says, I don't care. Go door to door. And after you go to door to door, then I'll enable you in everything else. And you know what? He did. He did. And I was blessed just simply because I went. And so I got to make sure that in my life, I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit, but I have an ear for the Holy Spirit. That's God's direction in my life, but also God who empowers me in my life. And then I'm going to see amazing things happen. Pastor Mike, I never have an opportunity. I've never had an opportunity to lead anybody to the Lord. Pastor Mike, I've never seen God move in miraculous ways. I've never really seen answered prayer to a great degree. Are you quenching the spirit? If you're open to the leading of the spirit, I guarantee you, you're going to see these things. And even in the rejections, you're going to find an element of contentment because you were obedient to what God had called you to do. So do not extinguish the Holy Spirit by not responding in obedience to the Word of God or just when you believe God's speaking to you. Now, what if I believe God's speaking to me and He's not and I go and do something weird? Well, you do a lot of weird things anyway, so what's one more? Number one. Number two, if you honestly believe that you're hearing from the Holy Spirit and let me preface it with this, it's biblically correct, if you stand up and start screaming in the middle of the church because the Holy Spirit told you to, we're still going to throw you out. We'll, we'll take the risk of quenching the Spirit in that. But if you really believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and it's biblical what you believe He's saying to you, do you think He's going to discipline you or allow you to be made the fool just simply because you had a desire and patience to be obedient to Him? No. No. He's going to bless you. Now, maybe what you're doing is not going to come to pass. But as long as you have that heart for God, then God's got that heart for you. And it's just an amazing concept. Keep your responsibilities towards God and his word concerning the Holy Spirit, but also in verse 20 and prophecies as well. We just went through a bunch of prophecies in chapter four, verses 13 through chapter five, verse 11 of those end time uh, uh, in time theology. And so we look at those as prophecies as we well should, but just understand that prophecy is always the speaking of God's word to mankind. And so I am to keep the prophecies and not despise the prophecies. Don't despise what God's word tells me. Maybe some of the things here today, God's been speaking to you concerning his word. Those are prophecies as well. Maybe there's somebody who's been long suffering that you just wish Pastor Mike would kick out of the church. And then you heard God tell you today, no, I need to suffer long with those people to see them where God would desire for them to be. Verse 21 tells us to test all things towards the word of God. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. That's kind of a, good catch-all in the counseling. Well, where does the Bible tell me that I can't do that? Hey, the Bible just simply says abstain from every form of evil. The Bible does not say not to smoke marijuana. It doesn't say don't smoke marijuana, but it does say abstain from every form of evil and changing your your brain is a form of evil. Altering your brain through a drug is a form of evil getting, falling down drunk. Well, it does say don't do that, but nonetheless, it's a form of evil. And there's a lot of areas that we will call gray areas, but a gray area is a, a, a holy area that has been muddied by sin, or at least the potential for sin, and abstain from every form of, don't even go there, we're being told. Don't use it as an excuse, but don't even go there. Abstain from every form of evil. Is your church operating as a church? Do you have a reassurance of the future? Again, we went through that, but verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ he who calls you is faithful you also will do it so the context here is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ it's really the rapture of the church and it tells us here that the God of peace himself will sanctify you completely it means he will completely separate you from the world and the judgment of the world and then he gets into the totality of who man is And that we are all spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is that which was formerly dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. You were spiritually dead, but God has made you alive. And so you have that spirit. Your dog does not have a spirit. Your cat does not have a spirit. They don't have fellowship with God. But you have fellowship with God. He has caused that to become alive. And He's going to keep that portion of you. Soul. Soul is your personality. Everybody here has been given a different personality. Isn't it good that we don't have the same personality? Because, again, there's blessings in diversity. And God brings all kinds of different personalities into the body of Christ. For some, he brings for blessings in this area, blessings in that area. And there's some personalities that are going to be the long-suffering people as well. Everything that's needed within the body of Christ. And so we've got spirit that which communes with God. We've got soul, the personality, the person I am, and then you've got the body. And all of those things will be preserved at the coming of Jesus Christ. Whether you die and you go to heaven and you come back with him and you're reunited with that body, you can get the CD on chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, or you're here when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Then there should be a reaction towards this epistle, verse 25 through 27. Brethren, pray for us. We should be praying for leadership. We should be praying for the sheep. We should be praying for the body of Christ. We should be praying for those who are going out. My wife went to uh, Voice of the Martyr. That was the uh, prayer meeting that she went to yesterday. You know where the fastest growing church in the world is today? Iran. Iran. I was amazed. It's in Iran. And what was the second? India? India. India. The second is India. In these very dark places, places, I wouldn't go over there. No, the church is growing. Matter of fact, the people that were speaking said, don't pray, and these are people from those areas, don't pray that the persecution will stop because God is using that. He's using that. He's bringing many Muslims. Muslims are seeing what ISIS is doing and they don't want to have any part of it. Because who are the majority of the people that they're killing? They're killing other Muslims, they're killing their kids. They're taking their kids, excuse me, they're taking their kids and they're making playgrounds. They're making swimming areas, and the kids go and they play in those areas, and later on they're taught how to cut heads off. And they see in the evil that is behind all of this, and they're realizing this is the fulfillment of the Quran. This is the fulfillment of our beliefs. And they want nothing to do with it. And they're coming in to the church. Unfortunately, they don't really want to hear from the American church because the American church is so immersed in sin over here with our TV and our movies and all of these things but nonetheless, we are able through righteousness to have an opportunity in that. Pray, pray. It says, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren, to everybody. They need to know these things. We need to know how to conduct ourselves in the body of Christ. Then verse 28, the realization of what we all need in order to exist as a church, critical element here the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen, or so be it. We have to have the grace of God, and then we need to display the grace of God towards one another. And so, what did Paul see there? What do we need to get from this? We need to get from this that we are to have a work of faith as we see so many people who have turned to God from idols. Not that you were bowing down, but you were just—you the idol. You are living a life according to your own will, according to your own way. And everybody that's been brought into the kingdom of heaven has turned from God and now dedicated their lives towards a work of faith. There's a labor of love as we gather together to serve the living God. And then he observed a patience of hope. Do you have a patience of hope? Hope is trusting in God for your future. Waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that either he's going to send the angels for you on the day that you die and they will usher you into the kingdom of heaven, or Jesus Christ personally will come back for his church while you still are alive. One way or another, you're in the presence of God forever. It's just such a short time here on earth. It's just such a, a small thing that the Lord not only asks of us, but even commands of us. May we be a church that is found faithful, a church that is conducting ourselves as a biblical church is to do. Father, once again, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give us to do this great work of ministry, that, Father, we would truly be found faithful, whether it's you who come back or the angels that come for us, that we would always be, Lord, ready, that we would be ready through a willing heart and a ministering soul. And so, Father, I just lift up our responsibility as Calvary Chapel, Ontario. I didn't give this list that we would look at others' church and make a determination, but that, Lord, we would make a personal determination of where we are at in these things. And then, Father, we would make a corporate determination. And so, Lord, as you have called us to be a church, to go forth and make disciples, Lord, I pray that that would be the priority of our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you all stand, please?